Hey everybody, it's Bill Courtney with an army of normal folks, and we continue now with part two of our conversation with Scott Strode, right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. So there's a really pivotal moment for you where you on like a real climb, like a serious, you got to be prepared climb that actually had a base camp type thing, which you know, I don't, where, where was this climb by the way? Yeah, this is, uh, I think, I think if this is the story you're talking about, then I was probably in Alaska. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, and on Denali, you were being guided, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. That's it. I want you to tell the story, but I, I was curious, what mountain was that? Oh, oh, this is where, yeah, this is sort of, I had, this was actually, this was actually in the Himalaya. So when I. You're kidding. No, no, this was when I got into recovery, I, you know, this is before getting out to Colorado, but I, I worked as an EMT because I wanted to learn EMT skills to be a better climbing partner. So I'd have some medical training, Wow! but, um, and also I realized being an EMT is a job you can just quit and go on a climbing trip and come back to. <laughs> and they'll hire you back? <laughs> yeah, because they're like, well, there's no job when you come back. And I was like, how about the midnight shift? And they're like, uh, okay, you're good. If you can you work this weekend, <laughs> you know? So, um, but I would do that off and on and I'd save up money and go on these expeditions. And I went on this trip and and we were climbing on this, this it's an 8,000 meter peak. So it's one of the 14 highest mountains in the world. And we, this isn't just get a coat at Reiki, Ray, Ari, I had more than a Gore-Tex coat at this point. Do you (laughs) have to use oxygen on those climbs? um, Some, some folks do. I was going to try it without it just because I had never been that high. And I wanted to sort of see what, what I was capable of, but, but we this got is to, a serious climb, bro. Yeah, this is a serious climb. With and guides. With with guides. And the guide decided to go up with a couple of the clients, you know. And another guy, Matt Mooney, who's a friend I befriended on the trip. I met him there. 
turns out he was in recovery too. <laughs> and he was from New York and, and, um, you know, we became buds and we were, we were like, you know what? We, we started to realize that we actually maybe even knew more than the guide. And we were making, <laughs> we were making some better decisions about like what to do in that setting. And to me, that was like a huge empowerment moment. Cause like I, for years, even as I was climbing all these mountains and doing all this incredible stuff, I still didn't really believe in myself. And then I realized like, like I know what's best here. I know better than this like professional guide, what should happen in this scenario and made decisions that like protected my group of friends, you know, and Matt and I started going down the mountain together and, and you were like, you were like, y'all are nuts. This is dumb. Yeah. We're not yeah. going. Well, we just said, you know, I think weather's coming and it's pretty obvious when you look at the other mountains over there and, and, um, and we're going to go down and they went up and we went down and turns out it was good. We did. We actually were able to rescue another climber who was having some altitude sickness on the descent. And so Matt and I got this guy down from the side of the mountain and, and, um, the, the guys we were climbing with spent two days in a storm at like 24,000 feet and got frostbite and, and some high altitude, um, mountain sickness, cerebral edema, you know, a bunch of, they were really struggling up there and they ended up coming down. Um, but something changed in me then. And, and it was like, it started to really like disentangle that, those negative thoughts about myself. That's a phenomenal story. I, we're, this is a great segue to get into Phoenix and all of it. But before we go there, I, you know, I've watched the shows on climbing Everest and watched them on TV. And the closest my fat rear end is going to get to Everest is the TV. So, but it feels like you may not know a climber from Adam, but it feels like there's this code of camaraderie that no matter who you are, as climbers, if someone's in distress, it's almost your job to help them out. It's kind of like if there's a maritime signal of distress, it doesn't matter who you are, you go to try to answer that call. Is that the same thing in climbing? I mean, is 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 that kind of code exist on the mountain? Yeah, I would say for for ninety percent of the climbers, yes. And I I think that that what you're really teasing out, I think, is that, you know, in my recovery journey, you know, ships taught me this sense of community and this importance to be there for each other. And climbing taught me that, that, that there's a duty that we have to each other as people that I realized later is not just on a mountaintop, but it's something that if we carried with us in our everyday, I think the world could start to change pretty dramatically. And and that code is there on the on when you're four thousand feet up on the side of a cliff for sure. Scott, you busted me. That is exactly my tease. Is that I look, man. I, I'm for better or worse. I I really I enjoy people and I love listening to their stories, but also like searching for um, motivation and where things come from. And once again, I can't help but think when you tell the story of coming down that mountain and helping a guy out that was sick and trying to keep people from going into 
a situation where people got frostbite and your time on the boat talking about a team, then it's interesting that this code of camaraderie uh, that you learn both on the ocean and on mountain climbing ultimately became uh, part of the ethos of what is what you do now. And I just find it interesting. And, you know, is it too far stretch what I'm saying? Or do you think there's something to that? No, there's absolutely something to that. And, and I think even what you brought up about my dad, like me being able to see him for who he really was past his or through in spite of his mental, mental health struggles, you know, it's like the Phoenix has taught me that now that, that I just see people for this innate strength that's within all of us and this value and dignity we have as people, no matter what our circumstance at the moment. You know, sometimes life has been tough and the, the, the opportunities haven't been there and, and we've experienced pain and trauma and things play out in a way, but that make us appear as if we are our circumstances, right? But the truth is we all have this intrinsic strength and value. And if sometimes if you just get that other stuff out of the way, it starts to become expressed. So with over 46 million Americans living with substance use disorder and millions more affected by that, which is a perfect example of you as a child with an alcoholic father-in-law and a father dealing with disorder, you're part of those affected. And typically the affected also become involved in one way or the other. So when you're talking 46 million and me and more, you're talking a huge part of our population. Yep. I think last year over 100,000 people died of fentanyl overdoses. Um, I don't know a single person. I don't know a single human being that is not affected by addiction in one way or another. A loved one, a friend, a coworker who hasn't been touched by it or seen it. Accidents, death, all of it. And I think because of that and because it's become so prevalent in society, we almost get desensitized to it, which I think is dangerous. Um, but with all of that, faced with all of that, as you start to understand your own value and you start to really, on a personal level, understand the struggle with addiction because you went through it, it's starting at such a young age. But then you start to undercover, uncover this love of outdoors and the strength it gives you and your own abilities. Now, let's talk about what Phoenix was in your brain and what it's become. The amazing redemptive story of all of this struggle and self-discovery that manifests itself in Phoenix, what your idea was originally, and what you did. Yeah, so we... You know, that's a a great recap. And it did, it set these conditions for like the Phoenix to be born, right? And we we um we knew that there had to be this sort of like code of conduct or ethos that 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 created this sort of safe, supportive container for which Phoenix to happen. And that was like basically that says we're here to lift each other up, not pull each other down. And, and we wanted it to make it accessible to as many people as we could. So you only had to be 48 hours sober and we wanted it to be free because we thought building community shouldn't cost money, right? Like it's something we should be able to do just as humans. And, and so, so because Ben and I had both worked out in outdoor kind of experiential 
education stuff. And I had been a climbing guide at this point and coached endurance athletes also, and including racing myself, started bringing those activities together and offering them for free to people in recovery. And, and it wasn't the fastest start to it, you know, like I was, uh, I would ride my bike around Boulder, Colorado and put up stuff on like cork boards. This was like pre, this was like in the MySpace days, you know, like, I mean, it really wasn't but a that's social media following. It. You didn't have some massive NGO behind you. You literally had a discipline that you developed, which is being a, a, a one of the things I say often, and our listeners probably are sick of this redundancy on my part, but I believe amazing things happen when a person's discipline and passion meet at opportunity. Yep. And it, what you're saying to me is exactly that. You had this discipline that you developed running or not running from your addiction, but coping with and overcoming your own addiction of out being quote outdoorsy and yep. that's your words and yep. climbing and your passion for it and now your passion for people because you know the pain and you see an opportunity but you don't have this big organization you're just a normal average guy running around boulder climbing ice stuff and <laughs> and whatever and you start putting cork boards saying hey we got this thing called phoenix that nobody's ever heard of but trust me we can help you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. what a pitch. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly how it got going. And, you know, I got found a guy who helped us come up with our logo, you know, and kind of fashioned it after some Native American, like, bird imagery. And it just sort of embodied what I thought of the Phoenix. And, and I would go to this climbing gym in Boulder and get punch passes. And I'd stand there with my harness in my hand waiting on a Friday night because that's what the cork board said, you know. And... And no one showed up, you know, and I stood there a lot of Friday nights like, well, well, maybe tonight, maybe tonight. And um, was that defeating? Um, it was. But I in my heart, I kind of knew that that there was a desire there. I felt felt like it had to click for folks because it clicked for me. It clicked for Ben. It clicked for, uh, you know, Matt and on that mountain in the Himalaya. And sure enough, one night, this guy, Barry, walked in and. He looked around. He's like, "Does anybody else gonna show up?" And I was like, "Oh, maybe later, you know." And so we just started. Um, we just started climbing. Liar. <laughs> no, you're the first in four weeks, but thank yeah, God you're here. Yeah, yeah. So um, we started climbing, and 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 then there were two, two or three folks. And that first year, uh, there were about seventy folks that came to Phoenix, and we it, did it bike. Became 70? Seventy. Seventy. Yeah, we we started doing bike rides and hikes and and climbing nights and taught like triathlon clinic and a whole bunch of other stuff and it was a great little core group that that started out. And you, and the only rule to those people were when you show up to me, you got to be forty eight hours sober and adhere to that ethos that we're here to lift each other up. Okay, that was your one. Yep. And after seventy. Now you're starting to think, all right, maybe I'm not completely nuts and this is a thing, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. We'll be right back. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. 
Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. We felt we felt like so by now it was, you know, Ben, Jackie, and this guy Mike Britton and Don Taylor. A couple folks had kind of come around it that were like helping it actually happen. And we we incorporated it as a nonprofit and we got our first donation, which no surprise was from my mom, you know. <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was pretty, you know, pretty much a regular startup nonprofit. So um, but we felt urgency even then to make it a national thing, not because we wanted to build a huge organization, because that's actually really hard to do, um, but because the need was so great. Like people started hearing about it, even in this really early stage and wanting it in their community because people are dying and people are losing the people they love and care about. And there's a lot of pain out there. And so we felt an urgency to, to grow it. So we always had a vision of having it reach as many people as we could. And year two, year three. Yeah. Take you, me through the chronologically take me through it. Yeah. It started to really become a real thing, right? Like we started getting donations from people that I wasn't related to. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and, you were uh, calling mom for <laughs> yeah. a check. And, uh, <laughs> so other people were investing in that vision. And I just remember we met with this incredible foundation called the Daniels fund in Denver, Colorado. They came to, came to climbing night one night and they saw this, you know, 30 or so people meeting in the climbing gym high-fiving and fist-bumping when they got down from the climb and we're all in recovery and we're all like, you know, literally lifting each other up with a rope, you know, to the top. And and um, they made a, I think it was a $30,000 grant to the Phoenix. And and then I just felt like, you know, this is this is something, this isn't just something we believe in that other people are believing in this. And they've been funding us since. They've been an incredible partner for the Phoenix. So it, it, that's when it really started to take off. And now you're in over 40 states, uh, 150 plus communities. You've got 1,500 volunteers and um, you've served over 100,000 people with Phoenix free programs. And in 2023 alone, you served another 100,000 people. And to date, you've served 364,000 what you call members, 
have had 72,000 events, 2,500 volunteers activated, and 83% of the members, this is the one, 83 People need to understand that, and I don't know the exact numbers, and Scott, you can fill in the blanks here, but going to typical um, both outpatient and inpatient programs, the uh, rate of people who stay sober is only in the 20s, I think. Is that not correct? Yeah, it's pretty low. It's about 60% of folks will relapse pretty quickly coming out of formal treatment. 60 and yep. you have 83% of members report remaining sober after 3 months. That's yep. phenomenal. Yeah. So what's the So so my question is, what's the secret and the sauce? I mean, what's the difference? And I think you're going to tell me it's community, but I want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not wrong there. I mean, I we we say that, you know, at Phoenix you often come for the activity or the workout, but you're staying for the friendships. And, and I think even more importantly, that, that, that self-esteem ember for, has been smoldering most of that person's life trying to get oxygen and Phoenix just gives it a little bit of that. And when they get to the top of that climb or they, they, they try that CrossFit workout for the first time, or they try yoga and they, they get centered at their, in their yoga class or meditation, they start to that starts to catch fire within them. So it's, it's the Phoenix and, um, the, you know, my wife's in recovery and we actually met at jujitsu, but then later she came, she, she came <laughs> Did to she kick your butt. <laughs> uh, no, I try not to squish her cause she's pretty tiny, but, oh, okay. uh, and, and I'm the opposite, but, um, but she later showed up at Phoenix and I found out she was in recovery too. So we, but she says, so she became a, a Phoenix member over time. And she said, Phoenix didn't make me strong. It just reminded me that I am, you know? And so See, that's I think that's beautiful. That's very, very cool. Um, back uh, when I was 15 years old, daddy number four had just, uh, the, the, the time runs together, but one of my mom's husbands shot up the house one night and I had to dive out a window to survive the night. Um, and I had all this dysfunction going on. And anyway, I got in a fight in high school. And back then, when you got in a fight, you went to the principal, unless you were a football player. And then you went to that coach's office. And I promise you, the head coach's office, 50 times worse than the principal, right? <laughs> yeah. And I love the man. Uh, his name was Coach Spain. And he had, uh, he had this way of being grizzled and old school. He was a son of a cotton farmer and just old school grizzled, but also had this way of you just knew he did care about you, but he didn't have to actually say it, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Old school guy. And I just know I'm going to his office and I'm about to get just laced up for getting in a fight. And he asked me what my problem was. And I said, I'm angry. And he said, you're angry. And I said, I'm really angry. And he said, well, that's understandable. He said, I, I know about the dysfunction in your house. I know what you've been having to deal with and put up with. And at your age, that's a lot. And I think I'd be angry too. And he said, and frankly, nobody could, back to something you said, nobody could fault you for being 
for for succumbing to that anger because of those circumstances that you've grown up with. And he said, but I want to tell you what that looks like. When you're 30, you're probably going to be divorced. Um, you will have lost one or two jobs. You will probably have a child or two out of wedlock, and you will likely have some sort of addiction to alcohol or drugs. If you continue to succumb to the anger and the frustration that you're surrounded by. Wow. And he said, or you can recognize that dysfunction. And he said, you're old enough now and you can make a choice and you can be a rock that dysfunction breaks itself on. Mm. And he said, nobody can blame you for being a victim of the unbelievable circumstances you're dealing with, but you need to know what that looks like. So you can choose to either be a victim or a rock. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something. Um, I would like to say at 15 or 16 year old, it was like a light shone down from the heavens and I had <laughs> epiphany that minute, but I didn't, you know, mm -hmm. but over the course of the year, that's really what got me thinking more about the life I was going to lead and the dysfunction that I was going to denounce out of my life. Because one man finally said, you're valuable. You do not have to be a product of your environment. You're worthwhile. You're lovable. Yeah. And if you do the right things, you can surround yourself with people that care about you and you can find success in your life. And it was a – Coach Spain's dead now, but um, that, was, that was my moment when people chose to go up and get frostbite versus turn around and go down and save myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was my year moment. And the reason I'm telling this story to you is um, in some ways you're showing people a way to not be a victim of their addiction, but rather find a way to be a rock against that dysfunction. It feels like. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's, that's the thing that, that, uh, that's that pivotal moment, right? Like that, that rock, that strength, that, that, um, that resiliency, that's like innate in us. Yeah. And it's that, there in all that, of us. Yeah. That messaging that those circumstances, maybe it's the environment you grew up in. Maybe it's family of origin. Maybe it's the lack of opportunities, whatever it is may start to, to have us question that, but something comes along sometimes like that coach or whatever that, that experience for my wife or where, where it just shines a light on it. That has always been there. And that is within, within all of us. And I think it's great what you said too, you know, you wish that the light has shown down and that was the moment where it all changed. But the truth is we can't unimprint that pain that was imprinted on us so profoundly. Like the emotion in which that pain was imprinted on us was, was really strong because you use the word trauma, right? And I agree. But so the only way to disentangle that thread that's been woven through the fabric of who we are is through practice and repetition and reaffirming it and messaging like that and then proving out that messaging and truth. And that's the beauty of Phoenix. Like it's not, you know, there's a bunch of youth programs that I was involved with before Phoenix, where we'd take somebody out on a sailing trip and they'd change their life. And then we'd put them right back on the same street corner 
the next weekend. And of course they're going to go back to the old life, but like Phoenix is always there. There's something every day you can go to. You can show up. If you want to come every day, if you want to come twice a day, you can. And you just keep reinforcing that message that you're valuable. You have this innate strength. We believe in you. And believe it or not, eventually start believing it for yourself. And it remains free for anybody who wants to help. Yep. The way you give back is is become a volunteer. And for folks that is within their means, they become donors. But but it's not an expectation. You can come. People come for years and and have never paid for a single thing at Phoenix. We'll be right back. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. This has become an organization now. And now you've moved from Boulder back to Boston, right? Yeah. And I mean, you're in 40 states. Is that, was that right? Yeah, we're pretty much in every state now. (laughs) So we've, we're growing so fast. We have, through the pandemic, we launched virtual and live stream Phoenix programs. We then got recorded content on tablets that we have distributed in prisons. So you can come to the Phoenix when you're on the inside too. And, uh, Are so you, you kidding? Yeah, we're kind That's of the, the, awesome. the peloton of recovery in prisons <laughs> <laughs> with a little less spandex, you know? Yeah, but, hopefully a lot less. But it's it's uh, it's cool that people can connect to Phoenix. Then when they transition home, they can find Phoenix in their community. And then if you're not even living near a Phoenix, you can be the volunteer that starts it in your community. So it's all, almost 70% volunteer-led now across the country. That's really got to help with recidivism, too. It does. Yeah, it really does. Because, you know, when, you, when you're involved in the criminal justice system and the same thing coming out of drug and alcohol treatment, like when, you're, when your cell phone's full of people you used to drink and use with or do whatever you used to do with, um, it's, it's hard to stay on that path. But Phoenix fills it up with new numbers of people that, that care about you and want to see you on Friday night because you go to climbing together all the time or you go out for a run together every Friday or whatever it is. So literally, there's something every day. 
every day and live stream. You can find us from anywhere. And, you know, we started building this app that this mobile app where you could find Phoenix events, you know, near you and become a volunteer through the app. And then we realized like, we don't, we're not the only building block of healing, right? There's so many other things that people might need. So we started getting other nonprofits onto our app as well, which is unusual in the nonprofit space for people to collaborate in that way. Mm. It can be territorial, but we, you know, there's a dozen other nonprofits that are on there now. And, and you might come for Phoenix and realize that Seek Healing, who's also on there, can help you with your early childhood trauma. Or you might realize that She Recovers, which is another organization on there, might help you as a woman in recovery in a way that Phoenix can't, you know? So it's like, I think we want to keep building that out to the point where, where there could be hundreds of nonprofits on there that are equally as as profound in what they accomplish in people's lives as Phoenix. And then we build a true continuum. And so if you need workforce development, we hope someday you can find it through our app, whether we're doing it or not, there's somebody out there who's doing a good job. So let's get them on there and we can help each other's members. So how many, how many people this year do you think you're going to serve? I think we're going to serve about 400,000 people this year alone. Holy smokes. And we have about 50,000 monthly active users on our app, and we're just getting started the way I see it. You know, we we worked with some philanthropists to kind of set out a vision of serving a million people in five years. And I think in the next five, we'll get to a place where we serve a million people a year. How are you going to print up that many flowers to put on <laughs> Yeah, a lot of cork boards, <laughs> you know. So, um, believe it or not, when I go buy one, I still stick a business card to it. I can't help. I can't help it. It's just like a it's habit. Your roots. So. That's, where you, that's where it came from. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of money involved here. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's where does it a, come from if it's all free? I mean, I get you got a lot of the. A lot of the programming is volunteers giving of their time, but you still got space. I mean, my goodness, there's a lot going on. Yeah, well, we're 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 blessed in that you know a lot of folks that you know if somebody owns a CrossFit gym or a functional fitness gym somewhere, they open their doors to us because they've been touched by addiction, and so that's how we get volunteered space across the country. Some places we have brick and mortar, but you know it's really these like angel donors who want to make a serious change around this issue that have helped fuel the the funding for the for building the app and the technology and for managing volunteers at scale cuz you know I think I think next year we'll probably have 5000 volunteers just next year so you know it's a huge lift to do that but when you look at the the financial cost it's nothing compared to the the financial cost of the current addiction crisis. Um, it's it's a drop in the bucket to fuel Phoenix at scale compared to the impacts on our community with incarceration and folks losing their lives. And then the compounding effect, right? If, if those adverse childhood experiences impacted you and I in that way, and then you lose a parent to addiction or you lose a parent to incarceration, and those things begin to compound on the next generation. And so, you know, we need to move now. If, if, if we're looking at the overdose rates that you cited, which are true, and we're not even including alcohol and other illicit drugs in those numbers, 
then then today's the day to start to stem the tide of it or the next wave will be bigger. That's why we feel this urgency even after all these years. I think there's a I think there's two audiences um to tell this story to. One are the audiences like me, the sappy feel good guy that just wants people to be better. And Scott, I, I think you I'm, I'm in that bucket. <laughs> yeah, too. we we ride the sappy bucket. Mhm. And 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 we hope that the genuine care for those among us who are struggling or maybe not as fortunate as us is the ins- it, it, we're incented by by simply um, the motivation to care for those. Well, I hope that's the bigger group of people. But there's another audience here in my mind, and it's the pragmatist. And the pragmatists need to understand that if we don't do something about addiction, incarceration, what it's doing to the middle class in the United States, yeah. what it's doing to us socioeconomically, the pragmatist in us has to understand what does our culture look like in 30 years yeah. if we continue to allow lives families, and neighborhoods to be destroyed by addiction because ultimately the truth is the basis for a civilized society is a healthy tax base. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a healthy tax base, you can't build roads, you can't run sewers, and you can't do (laughs) anything. And when your populace is not able to contribute to that healthy tax base, there's a pragmatist pragmatic reason for fixing this too, which is our culture can literally fall apart under the weight of addiction, abuse, incarceration, poverty, and the rest. Um, So while we do talk to the audience mostly um, that's in my bucket and your bucket on the Philly good (laughs) side, the truth is, the inconvenient truth is, there's a there's a pragmatic reason that this work is so important, and it's literally a fight for our culture. It is. It is. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that the thing that I saw most lacking in the addiction recovery field as I got into this work with the Phoenix is that that well, often folks with addiction are seen as sort of a problem to be managed by like these top down <laughs> solutions. And then That's and then funny. and then also the system itself is really treating the symptoms, not the underlying why. But if you go back to that underlying why, it can manifest in a whole bunch of ways other than addiction. It can be chronic illness, it can be divisiveness, it can be othering of people, it could be anger, it could be that that, you know, fighting the stuff that you kind of talked about, like that can come out all sorts of different ways where we're, we don't feel safe and supported and loved here. So we project out on the world some way that we cope that is often a negative way. And, and it's in that, that I think these bigger societal issues are being eroded from a same, the same why. And I think if we can build nurturing community for for a million people in recovery who've been through all this stuff, 
it with a with an ethos of we're here to lift each other up. I think we can do the same thing in our society more broadly, because we've proven it out on a big enough cross section of people that you we would view as on the margins of our society, but the truth is they are us. We are, you know, we are all rising from something, and if we actually just took a minute to help each other up from that, I think we'd have a different community. And can you imagine? the reciprocal effect of the million people you serve 20 years later. That's a million interruptions of dysfunction. That's a million interruptions of the next generation to suffer the trauma of addiction. And just like the, the ball has rolled downhill into our culture on this addiction, it can roll downhill to health and redemption. Mm-hmm. By interrupting it, that the numbers work the same way, yep. both in a negative and positive way. And so, you know, dude, have you taken a second to look yourself in the mirror and think, wow, I was <laughs> climbing a mountain 16 years ago and had a weird idea and a piece <laughs> of paper on a cork board and it's phenomenal. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's been an incredible journey. And, and what I'm really moved by is the people who've come alongside us, you know, the people who've, who've come alongside as volunteers to carry the Phoenix flag in their community and take us everywhere across the country. And, and the, the Phoenix members themselves who take that ethos as a way of living and they bring it out into the world and start to interact in the world differently. And the, the donors who supported it to get it where it is because you know it's it's not a it's not a sexy issue to fund around right like it's not it's not something that we don't we don't build centers in hospitals to like look at this issue it's it's something that usually lives in a darker shame place in our families and and in our society and the folks that have that have put their their money sort of where their heart is to help phoenix get to more folks those are the people I'm really moved by, but I'm also, it's, it's so cool to see, like I, sometimes I'll travel, you know, around to meet with folks in different Phoenix chapters everywhere. And, and somebody will see the Phoenix shirt and they're like, yo man, you go to Phoenix. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah man, and, I go and, to Phoenix. Yeah, That's your thing. Yeah. Been going, like, <laughs> been, been going there a long time. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, which one do you go to? I'm in Wichita, you know? And, um, so it's just, it's cool to see that, that it is, that it's it, they don't know me they're from totally different places but they they know that like this this bird means that that we'll reach our hand out to each other when we need it and and if we all did that it would be a very different world clear picture of a phoenix meeting you're liable to have a line worker an unemployed guy a lawyer a doctor yeah i got to believe that the cross-section of your members represents every possible race, creed, religion, faith, and walk of life because we got to be mindful that this addiction issue that you're attack, uh, attacking is, is not uh, specific to any particular societal group. Yeah, that's exactly right. We have, we have folks, you know, that that uh, have widely d uh, different political bumper stickers on their cars when they pull up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but and isn't they, it cool to see them at yeah. the end of it embracing and, yeah. and, and, and coming together 
around one thing despite their differences? Is they, that they, not amazing? They're tying into the same climbing rope some nights in the climbing gym or they're fist bumping after the CrossFit workout or they're there for each other because one of them had a tough day and felt like drinking. But because his buddy's there, um, he didn't have to because Phoenix was there for him that night. And um, that's that's what's special about it. And a shameless plug is, to me, that is the power of an army of normal folks coming together, regardless of who you are, what you believe, how you vote, who you love, how you worship, or any of that, um, and joining in community. And your your organization is just yet another example of the power of that. And it's phenomenal. If somebody wants to join Somebody's looking for help. Somebody wants to be a uh, volunteer or God forbid, somebody wants to open up their checkbook and, and help you grow. Um, how do they reach you? They can reach us at the, the phoenix.org to learn more, to donate on the website. And then you can also find us in the app store um, and it's the Phoenix, a sober community. Look for that red bird and and uh, download the app and just jump in. You know, as soon as you come to your first event, if, if there isn't one around you, you can come to virtual. And then right away, you'll have a notification on how you can volunteer and start Phoenix in your community. I actually read where it will actually give you a map of where stuff is going on. Is that yeah. right? That's very yeah. cool. Explain that real quick. Yeah. So we just, in you know, as long as you leave your geo locating on, you can, it'll, it'll find the events that are near you and populate them in your feed. And then there's groups that you can join, you know, around different affinities and, um, and you'll find folks across the country that, that support you on this journey. Scott Strode. The son of a a, a a struggling father, an alcoholic father-in-law, um, whose only respite was the trees and streams behind his dad's farmhouse, um, who uh, who who found his redemption on the side of a mountain one day and decided he wanted to starting start helping. Um, by posting notes on Corkboard, who now 16 years later is going to serve literally millions. Bro, what an amazing story. And I, I just cannot thank you enough for sharing all of it with us today. Thank you. And thanks for sharing your story too, because that vulnerability lets us bring that stuff into the light where that, that pain, that pain can, can heal. And we could be a phoenix. Exactly. Yep. Rising from the ashes. All right, man. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. And thank you for joining us this week. If Scott Strode or another guest has inspired you in general, or better yet, inspired you to take action by joining the phoenix, starting a chapter in your community, donating to Phoenix or something else entirely, please let me know. I'd love to hear about it. You can write me anytime at bill at normalfolks.us. And guys, I'll respond. If you enjoyed this episode, guys, please share it with friends and on social. Subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it. Become a member, a premium member at normalfolks.us. All of these things that will help us grow an army of normal folks. I'm Bill Courtney. I'll see you next week.
good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.